0: And we know the Lord will bless it to our hearts. I'd like to read some verses with you tonight from John's Gospel and chapter 7. While you're looking that up, it is a joy and a privilege to be here. And I trust that the Lord will bless us together around his word this evening. We're reading just a few verses, commencing at verse 37. John 7, verse 37, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Amen. We'll end our reading there, and God again will add his blessing to the reading of his precious Word. Can we just bow and ask for the Lord's help? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks again this evening for thy presence. We thank you for the message and the hymns that we were singing together. We thank you for the messages and song that have been rendered to us. Now, as we come to thy precious word, we pray that you'll write its truth indelibly upon the tables of our heart. We thank thee for thy word, which is a living word, able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask, Lord, that thy word will find an abiding place in our hearts, that men and women and young people will accept the truth of thy word and lay hold upon the Saviour. Bless your own believing people tonight. Any who are here without the Saviour, we pray that as you opened Lydia's heart that Sabbath day by the riverside, that you might open a heart this evening, and the cry of a newborn babe might be heard, and someone may pass from death to life. Help us to rightly divide the Scriptures. Help us to lift up the Saviour. Help us to speak well of the Master, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts may be acceptable in your sight. For we ask this in the Savior's name. Amen. I want to take as our text tonight the very opening verse that we read together, the verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I want to turn your thoughts tonight to a drink that fully satisfies. And surely that has to be good news, because in our world there's a multitude of people and they need to drink of the well of God's salvation. I'm sure you'll agree with me that people from a bygone generation would never ever have dreamed or believed that a day would arrive in a place like Northern Ireland where people would go into a supermarket, And buy water because we have an awful lot of water. We have all kinds of water to choose from today. We have stilled water and sparkling water, spring water, and of course, mineral water, flavored waters of every flavor. Of course, Many drinks that we have today are not really for the purpose of quenching thirst, but are more for the purpose of creating thirst. But water, as you will know, is essential for life. You and I need water to regulate the temperature of our body, We need water to provide the means for nutrients to travel in the organs and tissues of our body. And in our text tonight, we find the Lord Jesus Christ talking about that subject, talking about the subject of water, water that is not only essential physically, but water that is essential for spiritual life. It says, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Water, of course, is very, very essential for physical life. But there is a water that Jesus speaks about that is absolutely essential for spiritual life. Because we are more than physical, we are also spiritual. Jesus, of course, spoke of this water over in John chapter 4, when he sat down weary with his journey at Jacob's well and entered into conversation with a Samaritan woman, a woman because of her pedigree his disciples would never have communicated with. In fact, when they returned, they were astonished that Jesus talked with her. She herself was amazed that Jesus, being a Jew, would talk to her being a Samaritan. And Jesus said to her that day, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. Now, the Bible tells us that in her wisdom, the woman said unto Jesus, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not. That's why Jesus stood that day, the last day of the feast, and cried out, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He wanted people to do what the woman of Samaria did. He wanted them to take of the water of eternal life. In other words, to know the joy of his salvation. The invitation that was given here was very simple. It was very clear, very plain. He was simply saying, to those assembled in Jerusalem, come and drink. Now, there's many of us in this meeting tonight can look back with great joy and delight and with thankful hearts to that day when we drank of the well of God's salvation. It is our heart's desire, if you're here and you do not know Christ, that you might obey his call, that you might come and drink of the well of salvation and drink a drink that will forever satisfy. Many drink of the murky wells of this world's pleasures only to be dissatisfied. But the man or woman or young person, boy or girl, who will drink of the well of salvation, why Jesus said, You will never thirst again. In other words, you'll be satisfied not only for time but for all eternity. There's three simple thoughts that I want to leave with you in our text tonight. I want you to notice, first of all, the day that Jesus shouted. The day that Jesus shouted. The Bible says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Now the word cried there is very, very strong. And it means to cry with a very loud voice. It literally means to shout. Jesus shouted at the top of his voice that day. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The occasion was the last day of the last feast of the year. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. Hence the urgency in the Savior's words. It's the last day, the last feast, the last opportunity for some of those who are assembled to come and drink of the water of eternal life. My friend, This could be somebody's last day. Therefore, this day is very, very important. The Bible reminds us that we know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor. It appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Those who hadn't heeded the Savior's message previously are now given a further opportunity, another invitation to heed his voice and to take of the water of life. Josephus, the historian, he tells us that the Feast of Tabernacles was the holiest and the greatest of all Hebrew feasts. It was a feast that was observed five days after the Day of Atonement and lasted for a period of seven days. Of course, the Bible tells us that. In Deuteronomy 16 and 13 it says, And thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. And on each of those seven mornings of the Feast The people, what they would do was this, they would follow the priest. He would lead them to the Gihon Springs, which of course is the source of water for the pool of Siloam. There the priest would fill a pitcher with water. And as he was in the process of filling the pitcher with water, all the people would sing the words that are recorded in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Then they would all proceed back to the temple, at the temple. Then the priest would take that water, he would pour it out on the ground. This feast of tabernacles was a time when people would converge in the city of Jerusalem, they would come to remember God's dealings with their past forefathers when they were in the wilderness. It is, of course, called the Feast of Engatherings. It is also called the Feast of Harvest because the Bible says in Exodus chapter 23 and 16, and the Feast of Harvest, the firstfruits of thy labor which thou hast sown in the field, and the Feast of Ingathering, which is the end of the year when thou hast gathered the night labor out of the field. What it was, it was a time of remembrance. During that feast, what the people did was they recreated the wilderness warnings of the Hebrew children. And as they marched back with that water, they also carried in their left hand twigs, representing their journey out of the land of Egypt and from under the tyranny of the pharaohs. And in their right hand, they carried certain fruits which represented the land of promise into which God had brought them. It was a time of great remembrance, like our harvest thanksgiving services where we come to render our gratitude to Almighty God for the fulfillment of His promise when He said there would always be a seed time and a harvest. It was also a time of rejoicing. See, the Bible dictionary says, though all the Hebrew festivals were seasons of rejoicing, the Feast of Tabernacles was in this respect distinguished far above them all. The pouring out of the water onto the ground was done in grateful remembrance of the rock that was smitten in the wilderness, and the water gushed out in great supply to the people. They, in their celebration, actually pointed to the rock of salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the living water, which the Savior freely offers to all who will put their trust in Him. It was a time when the people celebrated. They waved palms. They sang at the top of their voice. They rejoiced. It was a time of celebrating. Now, the commemoration of the feast reminds you and I as believers in Christ that we should never forget from whence the Lord has brought us. Never forget to where the Lord has taken us. We were lost, but he found us. We were slaves to sin, But he freed us. We were children of wrath and children of the devil. But he made us through the new birth to be sons of God. We were brought out of a life of bondage. We were brought into a life of blessing. We were held as birds in the snare of the fowler. Slaves to Satan and slaves to sin, but he broke the chains of sin and he set us gloriously free. The celebration of that feast reminds us that we have so much to rejoice in this evening. David the psalmist said, he said in Psalm 13, my heart shall rejoice. In thy salvation. Friend, can you rejoice in God's salvation? Do you know God's salvation? Have you ever been born again, ever washed in the blood of Christ, ever been made a new creation in Christ? You will recall that Jesus said to his disciples, and he told them to rejoice, and he told them why to rejoice. He said, Rejoice. Because your names are written in heaven. My friend, is your name written in heaven? Is your name written there on that page, white, and fair in the book of God's kingdom? Is your name written there? There's many people in our world today, and they are so concerned about what role their name is written on. But my friend, the all-important place is God's rule book, the Lamb's book of life. I trust your name's written there. And if not, then that that may be so tonight. So we should remember and we should rejoice. We should look back with contemplation. We should look forward with celebration to all that the Lord has done for us. John Newton, by way of personal testimony, wrote Amazing Grace. And God's grace is amazing. Isn't it amazing truth that out of this world's mass millions of people God set his love upon us? Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found was blind. But now I see, and that day that Jesus shouted out His message, it was a vital day. It was the last day of the last feast of the year. My friend, this is a vital day. This is an important day. There never might never be another day like this in your life. Here we are in health and strength and soundness of body and mind with the privilege of hearing words whereby we can be saved. Tomorrow, we may be cold and silent. We may be in God's eternity. Friend, if this is your last day, as it was the last day of that feast for some, is it well with your soul? Can you say with the Apostle Paul, I know, you see, there's so many in our world today and all they have is a hope, so salvation. I hope I'm saved. I hope I'll get to heaven. That was not the religion of the Apostle Paul. He said, I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Friend, do you know that you've been born again? The good news of the gospel is this, you can. These are not presumptuous words. Jesus said, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. But there was not only the day that Jesus shouted, which was the last day of the last feast. But then there was the danger that Jesus sensed. He saw all their ritualism, but no real religion. These people were celebrating something they really knew nothing about. They were like those of whom Paul spoke of at Mars Hill. He said, I saw your sign to the unknown God. They were worshiping a God they did not know. And there's many in Ulster tonight and they worship a God they do not know. They know about Him, but they don't know Him. Friend, you know everything about God. You know everything about Christ. But do you know Him personally? These people were celebrating something they knew nothing about. Hence, Jesus shouted If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, note what the Bible says it says, Jesus stood and cried. In other words, he stood, and he shouted. No doubt there would have been a great commotion in the city at that particular time, and no doubt the Savior raised his voice to get above the volume of other voices. And sometimes preachers are accused of shouting too loud. Friend, if you find yourself in a lost eternity, you'll say that preacher didn't shout loud enough. And Jesus shouted, and Jesus stood. Now, Jesus normally didn't stand to preach. For he followed the Jewish custom there, Normally, he would have sat down to preach. So both his posture in that he stood and the volume of his voice was demanding of the people. And it shows, of course, the urgency in the message that Jesus was propounding that day. We are all familiar with the Mount of Beatitude. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. And seeing the multitude he went up into a mountain and when he was set he opened his mouth and taught them saying. Over in Matthew's gospel chapter 13 and verses 2 and 3 and great multitudes were gathered Together unto him. So he went into his ship and sat, and he spake many things unto them in parables. In Matthew twenty-six and the verse fifty-five, that very sad and solemn occasion when Jesus was brutally betrayed. And his enemies had now come to arrest him. Jesus said, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. Eden Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, 20 and 21. And he closed the book, and he gave it to the minister, and he sat down, and he began to say unto them. Again, we read in John chapter 8, and the verse 2, early in the morning came into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down. And taught them. But this is different. The Bible says Jesus stood. And he shouted. He wanted these people to know, to hear. This was the last day. This was the last opportunity for some of them. Some of them would never see another feast. They'd never have another day of opportunity. My friend, this day is important. And we need to shout out the message. You need to flee from the wrath to come. You need to get up and come to Christ. You need to drink of the well of salvation. And so the sound of his voice and the posture of his body emphasized the urgency of the message. The last day of the feast, a vital day. Jesus, of course, says today, You need to stop living in your tomorrow. You need to start living in the today. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Why tomorrow's just eternity hidden from your view. Oh, many will say, just give me a little longer. Give me to Tomorrow. The world, it is so bright. When I feel that I am dying, I'll get saved, but not tonight. But Jesus said today, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. He watched those people as they were commemorating, as they were celebrating, perioding up and down, About something they knew nothing about. He had heard, no doubt. Them shout, therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Yet, sadly, in their lifeless religious ceremony, they never drank of the well. Of eternal life, their outward rights, he knew, we'd never bring inward reality, a show of religion, but no reality, no experience of God's salvation. Why? It is so depictive of many in Ulster today. They have their religion, but no redeemer. They have their sacraments, but no salvation. They have their church but no Christ. But Jesus was offering these people reality, a drink of the well of salvation, and they would never thirst again. He said, all you have to do is come and drink. And you can see here a thirst that is never satisfied, if any man thirst, That's why many in our province tonight go into one sinful pleasure after another, drinking of the filth of this world's pleasure, because down in the heart of every individual there's a vacuum, it is God-shaped, it can only be God-filled, and until they drink of the well of salvation, they will never know fulfillment. Tragically, many turn to fountains and wells that can never thirst, Little wonder the hymn writer said, I've tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but ah, the waters feel Even as I stoop to drink, they mock me as I wield. Friend, you need to come and do what Jesus said. You need to drink of that living water. For there is a thirst that can be satisfied. If any man thirsts, Let him come unto me and drink. And the implication is clear that if one would drink of the water that the Savior was offering, he would never thirst again. And the woman at the well proved it to be true. Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of the water, this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. And in John chapter 6, in the verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Other drinks, whatever they are, May for a season satisfy, but to drink of the well of God's salvation, that satisfies eternally. And Jesus sensed a great danger there. These people with all their religion. And all their celebrating of what God did did not know God, and had no experience of salvation. Friend, do you know the experience of salvation? Do you know who you worship? And then one last thought not only the day that Jesus shouted, and he shouted out his message. There was a danger that Jesus sensed all that ritualism with no reality. And there was a decision that Jesus sought. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You see, he wanted them to drink of that living water. He wanted them to come to him as their savior, and no one could ever receive a greater offer than the offer that Jesus made that day. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. How can we drink of this water? Well, isn't that what Jesus says? Let him come. How can we drink? Jesus said in verse 38, he that believeth on me. All one has to do, therefore, is simply in childlike faith come to him. And he says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He says, Whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. You. Friend, you're not shut out unless you shut yourself out. Isaiah said, Ho oh, everyone that is thirst, that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters. And in Revelation 22, and the verse 17, Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Have you ever drank of that water? Jesus was calling those people to a clear-cut decision. And folks, the matter of salvation is a clear-cut decision. We are either saved or we are lost. We are either in Christ or we are out of Christ. We are either on the road to heaven or we are on the road to hell. That's how clean-cut the matter is. There is no neutrality. Jesus called them for a decision that day as he calls you tonight. If any man thirst, if you thirst, let him come to me. And friend, there is no other. But the Bible tells us in Acts 4, that neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus saw that day that those people needed to be saved. Oh, when we talk about drinking of the well of salvation, when we talk about coming to Christ, when we talk about getting saved, not talking about something that is optional. It's not something we may do, should do, can do, might do. It's something the Bible says we must do. We must be saved. Friend, again, I ask you, are you saved? Have you drank of the well of living water? If not, then why not tonight? Because this is opportune time. That was the last day of the last feast. This could be the last night of your life. And in the light of that, are you saved? Friend, the Bible tells us that we are to make our calling and election sure. You can be saved tonight. And you can be sure if you'll come to Christ. Come tonight. Come now let's just bow together in prayer. And just while our heads are bowed and our eyes are shut, we read in God's Word, where all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All we like sheep have gone astray. But the good news is this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then he says, repent and be converted. Turn, turn from your sin. Turn to Christ. And he says, as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God. Friend, Would you confess your sin to him? Would you repent of your sin? Would you receive Christ as Savior? And go home. Having drank of the well of salvation. Only to be satisfied forever. Write thy word upon hearts tonight, we pray. Grant that decisions will be made for thee. This might be red-letter night in someone's life. Give that deciding grace, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: I'd like to thank the Reverend Morrow for ministering God's words so, so faithfully. We're going to sing a couple of verses of this closing hymn. Is there a heart that is waiting, longing for pardon today? Hear the glad message proclaiming Jesus is passing the way. We believe God has been speaking. We have known his presence. This word uh, has been directed by God to someone or more than one. And Jesus is passing this way. And this is your opportunity. And we can't stress that more strongly tonight. This is your opportunity. Don't neglect the opportunity. If you want to talk to the Reverend Morrow or myself or some other believer that you know, you do that afterwards. Make yourself known to us. Remember, all you must do is lift your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, save me. He's passing this way. We'll sing the first two verses in the chorus of this hymn, and then uh, the Reverend Leckie will ask him to come to the lectern here and uh, give thanks for the food and pronounce the benediction.
2: just still our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ truly satisfies. Thank you, Lord, that when we say, we can say that the Lord is our shepherd. We can say that we shall not want here in life and in eternity, and we will stand in the judgment. We Thank you for that living water. Thank you for that water that satisfies the soul, and we pray that you'll speak to hearts this evening. Lord, we thank you that it's been good for us, your people, to be in this place, And hear the old evangel preached, who have been encouraged and blessed in her heart. Thank you for the ministry of her brother. But I pray that you'll take a dealing with those that are yet unconverted, and in mercy that you'll draw them to the foot of the old rugged cross. And may they see the Savior in a new light, perhaps as never seen before, and realize the rottenness of their sin and the beauty of Christ. Lord, save souls with we pray. Lord, we thank you for these good things provided. We will bless them to our bodily needs, bless our fellowship together. And Lord, when it's time to go, we pray for journeying and traveling. Mercies. And we pray for that the blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost will be upon your people. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
1: Please make your way directly through the foyer uh, into, into, into the hall, and you'll be able to Uh, get some refreshments and we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for joining with us tonight. Thank you.